It was October 3rd when Jake Duran of Local 3 asked me what day it was, and I said, it's October 3rd, and it is a sports panel on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you. Jake's smiling over across the way. You got the reference, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You, you have a young daughter. You've seen Mean Girls, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, definitely not the movie, not my favorite movie, but I've had Really? That, I love yeah. that movie. You not know, ashamed just, to say it. It's one of those movies I just sit through just to sit through, man. Oh, come on. One of the greatest movies that they've ever made. American it's like Classic. you saying Gardner Minshew's the best quarterback he in NFL history. He is the best history. quarterback Come on in NFL now. history. <laughs> yeah. I see those Minshew mania packs that the Jaguars are like merchandising now. It includes a headband and the fake mustache. I'm all in on it. Hey. Like for Halloween, you know, that's coming up. I can get myself a Gardner Minshew jersey and I'll go out and be an absolute legend for Halloween. Let me guess, you already have it ordered. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, shout out to the Jacksonville Jaguars for, you know, wringing out the towel and trying to get as much money as they can off of this this mania. We'll see how long it lasts. I'm still, you know, he's a, he's played well. He's done well. I'm just not, I just don't believe it yet. I got I to gotta see it over time. It has to be a more consistent thing. He's a good story. It's something to talk about. Jacksonville's lucky that he's playing there right now because otherwise we're, it's just going to be nothing but negatives coming out of the ja- Jaguars organization. But... I know you, you told me early on I wasn't a believer. Am I a believer now? I'm getting there. Mm-hmm. But i got to see some consistency, man. I tell you what, uh, if he continues to play at this level, not only will I dunk on everybody with my revenge tour, but the Jaguars are going to have a decision to make. And this wasn't something I planned on talking about. It just kind of organically came up here in the first couple of minutes. We went from Mean Girls to Garner Minshew, and the Jaguars will have to decide here about week 11 or so, Foles or Minshew. And if Minshew's playing as well, it's going to make the decision really hard. Yeah, yeah, especially, you know, you're paying Nick Foles so much money. Um, you know, I still think he has a lot a lot of uh, momentum behind him, his name. You know, he was hurt, but he's still coming off, you know, those great years in Philly. So if you're Jacksonville, you know, you've got a little bit of time before you have to pay Minshew. Why not ship him out? Like you said, there's a couple quarterback needy teams that um, would be definitely an upgrade with Nick Foles. Like you said, you know, we mentioned, we talked about it a little bit before. The Chicago Bears yep. could take Nick Foles. Denver is always a team that seems to have a revolving door of quarterbacks. You know, you get rid of him, get him off your, your payroll, start building around Minshew, you'll have a lot of money. But that Jalen Ramsey factor, man, that's the thing. <laughs> like, that, maybe that's why they want to keep Jalen Ramsey. Maybe, maybe they is. do believe. Maybe they do believe that Minshew's the guy and they're going to have a little bit of money to spend and maybe Jacksonville's that hot team once again and that defense comes around. We'll see. I tell you what, another team that could be looking for a quarterback about Garner Minshew or Nick Foles to Minnesota. I don't know. Yeah, but then Minnesota's going to have to wave that white flag and and say they made a mistake. They did. We all know that. Right, yeah, they all all know that, but I don't know if they're ready to say it just yet. Obviously, with all that turmoil that's going on, I called it from the beginning. I, I loved that was like one of the greatest days I've had in a as long a time as a, as a Packer fan. When I heard that they were the team that was getting Kirk Cousins, I said, thank you. I said, thank you, because I didn't think he was a, much of an upgrade from Case Keenum. And, you know, I just I just knew what I knew from Washington. I knew that when the, when the time comes, he gets rattled. He makes mistakes. He's not he's not accurate. And he's just not he's not one of those guys that that's a winner. You know, he, he plays well in certain stints. But, you know, I don't I just don't know the games, the, the game seems not to come easy to him and no. um you're seeing it right now now you know stefan diggs is in the the news talking about maybe he's getting traded adam Thielen's calling out nick or excuse me uh kurt cousins kurt cousins is apologizing and you know saying i need to be better and 
and you know the energy there isn't bad. So as as a Green Bay fan, obviously I'm I'm liking what's going on there in Minnesota. They still have a really good defense, um, and even if Kirk Cousins starts starts to play better, you know at some point he's going to Kirk Cousin. And he's gonna he's gonna fail, and um, it's just great to see. So, um, <laughs> if if they if they bring Nick Foles over there, I'll, I'll be a little little bit more worried. But that was just an epic fail of a signing. I mean, so much money to Kirk Cousins that knocked him back a couple pegs, and that really really hurt. That <laughs> that's that's really bad. For I him. tell you what, though, if Garner Minshew makes his way up to Minnesota, you better look out. I mean, they're putting the league on notice Listen, if that happens. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Whatever I, team gets Garner Minshew, they're putting Minch- the league on notice. I would be a lot more worried if Minshew right now was on was on Minnesota. I would actually be worried because Minshew has shown he can he can kind of place the ball where he wants, and mm-hmm. he's made throws uh, throws where you kind of sit back and you're like, wow, you know, he's actually making good decisions. He He's seeing the field. Kirk Cousins not seeing the field, and I don't know if it's because – in my mind, I'm just watching, like, seeing him playing that Chicago Bears defense where every time he dropped back, you know, there was a guy in his face and he couldn't really get the ball out or anything like that. But, you know, he to me, he's just he's just completely lost it. I don't think he really has a lot of confidence right now. The pressure's building on him on a daily basis, uh, you know, to, to be that guy who can make the throws. And, and it's not looking good right now. But I would definitely feel a lot more scared about that Minnesota team if they had Minshew over Kirk Cousins right now. Minshew's just been playing way better than him this season. Our transition was really smooth because this is something I did want to talk about is what's going on with the Minnesota Vikings right now. And it started earlier this week following their 16-6 to loss to Chicago on Sunday where Adam Thielen, who's never been labeled anything like a diva, anything like that, you know, he's a really good guy, seemed to take a shot at his quarterback, maybe his coaching staff a little bit. And then a couple of days later, Kirk Cousins apologized to Thielen after Thielen took a swipe at him in the media. And our guys here at ESPN have conflicting feelings about it. Dan Orlovsky, former NFL quarterback, he's one of my favorite analysts here at ESPN, he says that that was, quote, weak sauce from Cousins to do that, that it was weak. You know, you one of your teammates took a swipe at you. Stand up for yourself, something like that. And then Ryan Clark and Dominic Foxworth, both former NFL defensive backs, had a different take on it. And they believe this is grandstanding from Cousins, that they believe if you have a problem with a teammate, if there's some kind of dispute, and you really do want to apologize to him, you do that privately with them. That that apology that Cousins issued wasn't for Thielen, it was for us in the media. What's your take on it? You know, obviously with, with Cousins apologizing, he's kind of telling everybody that, you know, he knows he's not playing up to where, you know, he expects himself to be. So, um, you know, if I go into my job and I'm not performing the way I, I'm performing, I don't want people to be talking behind my back. I, I kind of respect the people who are going to come up and hold me to that standard. I mean, if I'm walking into the building making with 80-something million dollars guaranteed and I'm I'm not playing well, um, you know, obviously, I'm I'm feeling like I'm I'm kind of disappointing my team. So if I get called out from Cousins, and I'll be like, you know, I I agree. Like you're right. You know, maybe not. Maybe you shouldn't have did that to the media. Maybe you should come to me behind the scenes and things like that. But maybe that's what he needs. Maybe he just needs somebody to do that. But at the same time, he needs to get some protection. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a team game. I mean, you saw it against Chicago. Where was he supposed to go with the ball? Every time he dropped back, there was a guy in his face, you know, coming from both sides. Khalil Mack was feasting, having one of his amazing games. That defensive line from Chicago was was just dominating that offensive line. So um, it's not all him. 
but you want to see him hit the throws when he has time, and, and I think that's kind of what, what's been missing. They have the run game, they have the defense, and, and Thielen and Diggs, yep. they're frustrated. Yeah. They're used to going out there and putting up 100-yard games. You know, they've been one of the best duo receivers the past several years, and and um, you didn't expect it to be this bad. No. You know, maybe you thought maybe it would be around the same, things like that, but to take such a, a step a step back as far as Kirk Cousins has, especially when you're making, you know, people know how much money you're making in the locker room. Telling you're telling me you're going to pay this guy this much money, and he, this is what he's doing. That's that's it's not it's not right. So um, I I don't have a problem with Kirk Cousins. You know, apologizing. Obviously, it's just showing that he understands he's be, has to be held to a higher standard. He has to be better, and um, you know he, he's getting paid eighty million dollars. He has to do what they need him to do, and that's the run game's going when the you know. Especially if you have a good run game, I just don't see why you're not play action and you can't find a receiver. It just doesn't make sense. But I don't have a problem with what Kirk Cousins did. I think um, I don't even really have a problem with what Adam Thielen did. Yeah. You know what I mean? And sometimes that's what you need to kind of you know get a reality check. And and uh, I you know everyone knows that Kirk Cousins needs to play better, and especially him. So well, Adam Thielen does not have confidence in his quarterback anymore. He lost. Uh, Thielen's boat of confidence. Stephon Diggs has been in the media the last couple of days. Kirk Cousins doesn't have his confidence anymore because there were rumors going around that Diggs wanted to be traded. He addressed the media today, was very frustrated, and he said that he doesn't, or at least he hasn't asked to be traded yet, but there is some truth to all rumors, so take that for what you will. Uh, I tell you what, he wants, he wants the ball. I don't know that he wants out of Minnesota yet, but he is an elite wide receiver, and he can help a team win, and he can help a team go far. So I get where the frustration is coming from. But he has lost, Kirk Cousins has lost, the confidence of his two top receivers and the confidence of his head coach with Mike Zimmer. Minnesota's best game this year was their week one win over Atlanta. That was where they looked the best. Cousins passed the ball ten times in that game. He completed eight passes. Mm-hmm. And and that must have just been from what he saw this off season. You know, Zimmer was probably sitting there like saying, uh-oh, this isn't looking good. I just don't get it because you do have two of the best wide receivers in the league. You can't tell me they're not open on some of these some of these plays, man. You know, I could see if they're, they're you know, hit with injuries and they don't really have en- enough weapons. But, I mean, you got two guys that, that know how to, you know, make plays. They, they can create space and, and things like that. It, it must be an offensive line issue. And like you said, I mean, when when you lose, when you feel like you're losing comp or your teammates around you are losing confidence, and you don't have any confidence in yourself, I mean, and that pressure just continues to build week after week. Especially if you're, you know, stacking these bad perform- performances together. I mean, that could be a, a really really bad spot um, mentally that you're put at. You could really hit a hit a wall, and it would be kind of hard to break through because now every time we drop back, it's magnified mm-hmm. because everyone knows like you got to start making some throws. So um, de- definitely Zimmer sees something. I know he's been in the league a long, long time, and, and I don't think he's doing that for for nothing. Um, he's trying to protect Kirk Cousins, obviously, and he's trying to avoid what's kind of came to fruition, and that's where people are starting to question the big, big issue, the elephant in the room, and that's a very, very bad signing by Minnesota. Ask any Minnesota fan. Oh. They want him gone. Mm-hmm. They want him gone. I mean, I, get, I think we can all see you're not going to go and, and get to the promised land with Kirk Cousins as your quarterback. And, and uh, yeah, they overpaid. I'm, I'm sorry, but we when when Cousins was a free agent, 
people were saying, like, there's going to be a team that's going to really overpay for this guy. Yep. And he never showed me anything, even when he was in Washington. He had a couple good games. You know, he, he he seemed like he was a decent leader and things like that. But he never seemed like the guy who was who was that guy. You know, you got your, your top-tier guys, Mahomes, Rodgers, et cetera. Then you got the guys, I think, that are down there where you talk about, like, Matt Ryan, you know, Matt Stafford. These guys are, are franchise quarterbacks. Then you got those those third-tier guys. Where you know they they play good enough to manage games and they can win here and there, but mm-hmm. but you don't want to overpay these guys. I think Kirk Cousins falls into that category, and, and they reached for him. They reached for him. I think you can absolutely make the case that Minnesota is in on Garner Minshew if Jacksonville decides that Nick Foles is their guy going forward because you can afford him. He'll be on his rookie deal. And who wouldn't want Gardner Minshew on their team? I mean, really, <laughs> we, could, we could potentially see Gardner Minshew or Nick Foles on on Minnesota very very soon, and, and they can't afford Nick Foles, so it would have to be Gardner mm-hmm. Minshew. Otherwise, I think it's up. Uh, uh, I would say realistic that Minnesota could draft a quarterback this year. They'll have one year left on Cousins' contract after this season. I don't think they're at the point where you want to tank for Tua. By the way, I heard this stat today. This was amazing. The last two players, left-handed players, to throw a touchdown pass in the NFL, neither were quarterbacks. And that's, of course, what Tua is, is a left-handed quarterback. But the last two players to throw a left-handed touchdown in the NFL were Des Bryant and Logan Byron, defensive back for the Tennessee Titans. So I don't know if if tanking for Tua is the right move here. Very rarely. I mean, it's just something about left-handed quarterbacks. where They don't translate to the NFL. No, and it's kind of crazy to think about. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know what it is, why they wouldn't. But, you know, every time I think of left-handed quarterback, I think Mike Vick. (laughs) That's that's just – other than that, you know, Steve Young. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. But other than that, yeah, you don't see many lefties translate well. So um, he could be the anomaly. He's a really good quarterback, obviously playing at a high level in college at Alabama. But I was always under the impression that I kind of like Jake Fromm out of that group. Mm. You know, Jake Fromm was a guy that, uh, you know, he seems like he's a good leader, very tough guy, you know, played in big games, ha- have been on the short end of, of some of the bigger games. But, I, you know, I kind of I like him. Herbert's another guy. Do you want to have that first overall pick and have to make that tough decision? Mm-hmm. I don't know. That would be tough, especially if you, you openly tanked all season. And then if you make a huge mistake like that, then your franchise is set back for several years. One other name to throw in there. How about Joe Burrows of LSU? Yeah. He's starting to look pretty good. Yeah, I haven't seen a lot of a lot of games but uh, of him. But, and, hey, of course, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Coming off the Heisman guy. Trophy here right, in a few yeah, months. Yeah, there's a, good, there's a good quarterback class coming. There's a good quarterback. What we what I don't really want to see we don't want to see Trevor Lawrence somehow find his way over to Minnesota. <laughs> I don't want to see that. Well, he's not lighting it up by any stretch this year. He's not lighting it up by any stretch, but I still think he's one of the better quarterbacks. He's a home run. I mean, if you, you're able to get him in two years, whoever gets him is going to be set. So. I tell you what, Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. We are going to get into some college football. We're going to play contender or pretender there. Plus, we're going to talk about the NHL, how it's back, and we'll recap the Major League playoffs. Continue to look forward as well. That and much more coming up. We have Pick'em, of course. By the way, last thing on Minnesota sports. This weekend, I hope the state of Minnesota just engords New York because tomorrow and Saturday, the Twins will be at Yankee Stadium playing the Yankees in the ALDS, and then Sunday, the Giants host the Vikings. So if there was ever a time where Minnesotans were just going to take over New York, 
this would be it because the season literally is on the line for the Twins, and it's very likely in all reality on the line for the Vikings. I definitely think uh, for sure. You know, obviously the Twins, they would love to go in and steal one from the Yankees because, you know, that Yankees team is very, very talented. You can't count out the Twins, man. They've been hitting the ball amazingly. I know you're a huge fan. You know more than me, but um, I wouldn't necessarily count out the Twins. But obviously when you're on the road and you can get a jump start on the series, that's what you want to do. I think it's a, it's a must win for, for Minnesota, especially mm-hmm. in the NFC North and Lions are better. So you got the Bears and the Packers. Um, and then the Giants, I mean, they, they've got some momentum behind them with Daniel Jones, but um, if they lose that one, that's going to be tough, man. It's going to be a tough hole to dig out of. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Let's take our first time out. Let's update you on Pick'em and make our Week 5 selections next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Glad that you're along this Thursday afternoon. Kind of damp, overcast, a little gloomy out there. Good for October, though. Good for October. Get get ready because the winters <laughs> it's it's coming fast. It's kind of sad to me, but I'm a, I'm a warm weather type of person. Love the UP, but I wish we had we had a little bit more summer. Our first snowfall last year was October 5th, which is two days from now. It's insane. Uh, makes you a little depressed. A little bit, but but <laughs> let's just let's just move on. Pick them as we play every week here on ESPN UP. Let's update you on the standings four weeks in. I've taken the lead at thirteen and seven. Jake is one get excuse me, two games back at eleven and nine. Ryan Stig between us at twelve and eight. Tyree Smith also eleven and nine, and Mike Hofling is ten and ten. So I tell you what, I got Ryan's picks because he doesn't come on until tomorrow. So I got his earlier, and he is going to go with the Rams tonight, followed by Baltimore, Green Bay, Kansas City, San Francisco. Jake, let's get your picks. Get you on the record, starting with Thursday night football, the Rams taking on the Seahawks in Seattle. You know, this one is really tough for me um, because I kind of see it as a similar situation as last Thursday when Philly came into Green Bay and handed the Packers their first loss because there was a little desperation there. Um, do I think the Rams are, are desperate? I don't know because when you let 55 points go against against Tampa Bay and, and you know, your offense isn't clicking and things like that, you know, you kind of want to make a statement. I know Sean McVay wants to make a statement. Um, and, and I know New Orleans was able to come in and beat Seattle. So this one's a tough one for me. I gotta go. I'm gonna go with Seattle, man. Just because they're at home, I like the way Russell Wilson's playing. It's a tough one, though. I could, I could definitely see LA coming in and winning. I am going with Seattle as well. A couple of weeks ago, when New Orleans went in with Teddy Bridgewater and beat Seattle in Seattle, that made me worried. But after seeing uh, New Orleans beat Dallas last week with a backup quarterback, I don't feel as worried about Seattle losing to them. There is a lot of pressure on the Rams, but more specifically, there's pressure on Sean McVay and on Todd Gurley here. Todd Gurley just hadn't looked himself, and he's he's essentially splitting his carries with Malcolm Brown. He just doesn't look like the same guy, nor should he. And I've never been more right about something I wish I was wrong about, because I don't wish anything bad on Todd Gurley. But your best days come when you're younger and not dealing with arthritis, rather than when you're older and you are dealing with arthritis. And so much of their offense last year, Goff was looking good throwing the football to Cup, to Woods and company, because they were predicated on the threat of Todd Gurley beating you with his legs through the misdirection, through the run-pass option. It's just not there this year. 
And we're really going to test Sean McVay and his leadership because we know he's a genius scheme-wise. It's one thing to be a schemer. It's another thing to be a leader. And Sean McVay is really going through adversity for the first time in his coaching career. All that will come into play tonight, but I still think Seattle wins this game. I do too. I just like Pete Carroll. I, I like Russell Wilson, but I agree with you. You know, they, they seem like they're just protecting Todd Gurley. Obviously, they don't want to show that, you know, maybe he is. He did lose a step because, obviously, like you said, the balance of their offense is gone. I mean, they were they were dangerous last year because Todd Gurley could go rush for three three scores and 150 yards. And then you had, obviously, with Cooper Cup and Cooks and all them guys, they were out there running, and, and you hear it all the time. It seems like they just lost that juice, and I think that energy came from Todd Gurley in the way he, he was basically a battering ram for the Rams. He would run in. He would set the tone. Um, guys were afraid to come in and tackle him, and then you, you really had to pay, play the run, and that's when the, the receivers opened up and things just kind of opened up for Jared Goff. Obviously now uh, team defensive defenses and defensive schemes are now can focus a little bit more on just flustering Jared Goff a little bit, who's, who's you know, up and down. He's, he's not as consistent as you'd like, like a quarterback to be, but um, I don't know, man. they got to do something. I know they've talked about they kind of got embarrassed against Tampa Bay. No one, I, mean, I was shocked when I saw that yeah. scoreline. 55 points to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who, who were sinking ship themselves mm-hmm. at that point. You know, that was kind of crazy. So that secondary has to be better. You know, that defensive line has to be better. And, and yeah, they got to get some sort of running game in. And I just like Pete Carroll. I like the way Russell Wilson has been playing. He's a, he's, he could be an MVP candidate this season. So um, And the 12th man. You can't discount that. The early slate of games on Sunday, we will have one of those games here on ESPN-UP. We've got Baltimore at Pittsburgh coming off their first win of the year. Baltimore losing their last two games, or two biggest ones of the year. Did they bounce back this weekend? I would be shocked if Baltimore lost this game. Um, You know, obviously, Pittsburgh, they were able to defeat Cincinnati, but that was such an ugly win. I mean, I was watching that game, and and the way they had Rudolph just, like, dinking and diming Mm -hmm. to their halfbacks. I mean, it was just, it was kind of hard to watch. Um, obviously, they're kind of protecting Mason Rudolph, but from what I remember, this guy was at, what, was it Oklahoma State? Yep. This guy was slinging the ball, mm-hmm. racking up yards. This guy can throw the ball. Um, I know they don't want him to get, you know, flustered and his confidence broken a little bit, but that's not going to work against Baltimore. That can work against a beat-up Cincy team mm-hmm. where that defense isn't good, but this Baltimore team, they can score points. You're going to have to push the ball downfield, and, and um, Mason Rudolph hasn't shown me that he can do it, and the coaching staff hasn't showed me that they trust Mason to go out there and, and not, you know, go out there, throw the ball, and hopefully not make that many mistakes. I just think Baltimore's just a way better team. All five of us are picking Baltimore for this weekend. How about this? We only have two games in the afternoon slate on Sunday. We've got two games at the 4 o'clock hour. One's at 4.05, the other's at 4.25. One being Green Bay at Dallas this weekend. I know what your heart says. What does your head say? Listen, so this one's tough for me just because Devontae Adams, for what we've been hearing, he's he's not going to play. We've seen that Packers offense come to a screeching halt when Devontae Adams isn't on the field. I don't trust anyone outside of him to yeah. really step up. Jake Kumro is coming back. I mean, I've mentioned his name a couple of times. He's kind of been a disappointment. He he brings speed if he's healthy. You know, he can really stretch the field. MVS, you know, he hasn't really done, hasn't taken that step you wanted him to see. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they got, they got Shepard. They got uh, Alan Lazard from Iowa State. These guys are young. You know, who knows what they can do. That tight end position is really, really, really scaring me as well. Yeah. So, 
and, and against a Dallas defense, this is tough because, like you said, my heart wants to go with, with the Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers makes his second home in AT&T Stadium. Mm-hmm. He's 3-0 and there all time, 108.7 passer rating, thrown eight touchdowns, uh, one pick, 64% completion percentage. He's had two game-winning drives, and he's won a Super Bowl in that in that building. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think he likes the energy in that building. I think he likes the bright lights of Jerry World. I think he, he steps his game up a lot more. I do think Aaron Jones is going to have a better game. I think they're going to get that run game going. They, they You might see a little Pittsburgh a little bit early on. I'm not saying they're going to keep it that way, but mm-hmm. you know, getting the ball out to Aaron Jones, you might see some wide receivers. But getting, that, getting those speed guys in space with the ball in their hands and not necessarily – you know, having Aaron drop back against a really good defense in Dallas. I'm going to go Green Bay, man. All right. I'm going Green Bay. <laughs> I respect it. Sticking to your guns, what have you. Uh, do you think this is going to be a shootout? We're going to see like 40 to 35 no. because that run defense going up against Zeke Elliott, does that worry you? It, it that, that definitely worries me. I mean, the, on offense, the Packers' run game itself worries me. And on defense, obviously that, that run defense worries me. Um, Philly was able to exploit them a lot. I felt way worse coming out of that game. I could see if they lost the game in a different way, I would feel a lot better. But just the way you knew Philly was going to run it, and they were just running them, gashing them. I think the defense steps up a little bit. I think they they realized kind of what that looked like a little bit. I think they were kind of sipping their own Kool-Aid a little bit coming into that Philly game. They kind of got a little reality check. You know, Their ego was checked a little bit. I think they come back. I think they play solid. I think Zeke's going to have a better game than he did last week against uh, the Saints. But I think they do j- just enough. I like Jair as a number one corner. I think the, you know the, the secondary is going to play well. Um, I, I think Zeke has a decent game. But if you can just shut down that run game as much as you can and make Dak try to beat you, I think they can they can pull it off. I, I just have I just believe. We have got two of the three. Passing touchdown leaders through four weeks, squaring off on Sunday night football. We've got Pat Mahomes, who we all expected to be in a spot like this, going up against Jacoby Brissett in Kansas City. I knew that Mahomes would probably be in this spot. I did not think he'd be joined by Brissett and Lamar Jackson with 10 passing touchdowns each four weeks into the year. Yeah, I mean, you know, you always want to be like, okay, can can Indy this off you saw Detroit really kind of fluster Mahomes a little bit slow down you know it, it's doable Detroit did it but I don't think Indy's defense is anything like a, the Detroit defense mm-hmm. I, I really do actually like Detroit's defense um, I think that defensive line is kind of put, putting it together Matt Patricia is obviously a good coach um, I just think Kansas City has something to prove I can't it's, it's really hard for me to go against Kansas City I don't know if mm-hmm. I'll ever go against Kansas City any weeks so i got to take the safe play here. I'm going to go Kansas City just because of Pat Mahomes, that offense, and just the way they've been playing. We all go with Kansas City. Now, here's a tough one, though, and we're all kind of split on this one so far. Monday Night Football, Cleveland at San Francisco. You know, I haven't really seen a lot of what, what San Francisco has been doing this season. And I really like what the Browns were able to do against Baltimore. It seems like they kind of got their groove back a little bit. You know... San Fran's is one of those dark horse teams. I just don't really, I don't got a good read on them right now. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Cleveland. Okay. I'm just gonna take. I'm just gonna take Cleveland. I'm gonna take take Baker Mayfield and company. Cleveland's upside is better than San Francisco's. It just depends which Cleveland team is gonna show up that night. Exactly, but I, I mean that Niners defense too. They spent a lot of money on that defensive side of the ball. Um, I know uh, San Fran. They like to run the ball. I think they run the ball more than any team in the NFL. They don't really have any star backs, but the two backs that they use, 
they're really really good. I think Bre- Matt Breida um, is is a guy that I'm I'm really high on. And as long as Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't turn the ball over, I mean th- their wide receivers aren't aren't flashy as well. They just you know Shanahan just has uh, has it going. So it's it's a close one. But yeah, I definitely you you've seen two different Cleveland teams throughout uh, the few first few games. And if they can play like they did against, obviously, Baltimore, I think they have a good shot to go and win. Danner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Let's take our next time out as we hit the bottom of the hour. When we come back, same story, different year for the Oakland A's. Plus, hockey is back. Talk about it next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Glad to have you along. Here's your Sports Center update. CeCe Sabathia has been left off the Yankees' 25-man playoff roster. Sabathia has already announced that he plans to retire after this season. L.A. Clippers owner Steve Ballmer has been named by Forbes as the richest owner of an American professional sports team. And finally, tacos from Taco Bell originally cost 19 cents when the restaurant chain opened its first location. Mm. But that, I wish that was still <laughs> that was still a thing. Yeah, me too. Uh, 19 cents, that's insane. How about that? Doritos Locos Taco over 19 cents. Listen, our, our station's right next to Taco Bell, and it, mm. it takes all of my willpower not to go there on a regular <laughs> basis, trust me. Well, I tell you what, NHL hockey is back. Postseason baseball is back. Last night, it was a different year, same story for the Oakland A's. They lost their ninth straight elimination game in the Major League Baseball playoffs. They fall 5-1 to one against Tampa Bay. It was the Yandy Diaz show. He hit two home runs, including one on the fifth pitch of the ball game, and Tampa never trailed. Diaz was a guy that never was going to work into Cleveland's plans long term, and there were a lot of people who were not sure that he was deserving of being on Tampa Bay's playoff roster, and yet he was the biggest factor in their win last night as the Rays, you know, if the Twins weren't in the playoffs, I'd probably be on the Rays bandwagon, because they slashed about $16 million from their annual salary from last year, and they won six more games this year, and got to the postseason. Here's the stat of the day, Jake, I love this. In total, the Rays payroll it's about 61 62 million dollars somewhere in that range it's by far the lowest in baseball so 61 62 million dollars for the entire team the players that the yankees put on the injured list this year their total payroll was 82 million dollars just the players the yankees put on the injured list now granted the yankees put about 30 guys on the injured list this year but that's incredible to me. And the Rays, if the Twins weren't in it, I'd be a Rays guy for this postseason. Right. Was, was that just a, a small shot at the Yankees? Just, just. <laughs> it wasn't a shot at the <laughs> Yankees, but, man, that's incredible. That is incredible. I mean, it just goes to show how how much the Yankees like to spend money and how those organizations differ. But, I mean, anytime you can spend less money and you can get more out of, out of the people, I mean, I think that's any company's, any organization's best wishes. And, and um, you know, I didn't, I didn't tune into the game last night. Um, from from what I know, the Oakland A's, A's fans, you know, let's look out for the A's fans. Yeah. They need, they need some comforting because mm-hmm. last year's was the same thing. You know, getting to the wild card and getting beat. I think what has hasn't that isn't that a very consistent thing for the for A's? them? Absolutely. Um, you know, but but you. You got to give a shout out to to Tampa, to Tampa taking you know younger players and players who who people don't think 
um, who who kind of they counted them out and are able to kind of you know spotlight these guys and, and get production under these guys. But um, I do I do like what uh, Oakland's doing. I think they have a lot of young guys that are coming up. Especially the, uh, there's some young pitchers on that team that that are going to be very good for years to come. So there is a bright light um, from the end out, out of the the negativity and everything. Obviously, of getting beat. Um, same thing with like the Brewers game, you know. You got to try to find positives, and they they got some positives. But um, I, I don't really know, man, because I, I'm not a, I'm not a baseball guy, and I don't really know who to root for right now. Twins. See, I was thinking about rooting for the Yankees. Yeah, twins man. got no. Why would you ever do that? Because they they're they're fun to watch, man. Yeah, they, the they twins got the big, are fun to watch. Yeah, but the, you know they're not they're not the Yankees though. That's a good thing. You say that like that's a bad thing. So so you tell me. And if you're outside of New York and you just can't root for the Yankees. Yes, that's exactly what I'm telling you. They don't need any more fans. <laughs> They're like Notre Dame. If you don't love them, then you hate them. Actually, man, I'm kind of like, I, I, I kind of like the Dodgers a little bit, man. Fine. You know, is, that, right? that. is that all right? Yep, all right, yep, so I'm going to jump that. on the Dodgers bandwagon this this, this time around. But, uh, but no, I mean, shout out to the Tampa Bay Rays, obviously, you know, not a lot of expectations, but they're they're definitely exceeding it, and they deserve to win, man. They did what they had to do. Well, I tell you what, your Dodgers, thank you for bringing them up, are going to play here in ESPN-UP tonight. The NLDS is going to start here in less than an hour, and we're going to have both games here in ESPN-UP. The pregame show just hit the air on ESPN Radio nationally for the Cardinals at Braves, and we will join the pregame show in progress. First pitch is set for 5.02. And we sign off at 5, so we'll get off just in time. You can hear NLDS Game 1 action as St. Louis takes on the Braves. Miles Mikolas goes up against Dallas Keuchel. It'll be a fun pitching matchup. And then later tonight, 8.37 is first pitch. It will be Washington at L.A. taking on the Dodgers. And then tomorrow night, programming note because... (laughs) Don't give me that. Jake's flashing the L across the studio. Uh, Tomorrow night, because of our local programming, we are going to have... Our usual coaches show. Our programming throughout the afternoon is going to remain unchanged. Our coaches show at 3 and 5, the sports pen at 4, and then Westwood Patriot football tomorrow night, after which we'll be joining the ALDS in progress. So that means you're not going to get to hear the Twins here in ESPN-UP tomorrow night. You're not going to get to hear the Yankees. We are going to join Houston and Tampa in progress tomorrow night. And then everything else is going to be available to you throughout the weekend, Saturday and into Sunday. Plus, we've got that NFL matchup with Baltimore and Pittsburgh. I tell you what, that's what I'm going to be listening to on the way home from Hancock tomorrow night, where the Patriots play will be the Twins, not on ESPN-UP, however. I'm going to have to use my MLB at bat after that. <laughs> Shout out. Hey, that's going to be a fun series, though, because you've got the two best offenses there. I can say that right. I mean, those two. I would say so. And they had the top two home run counts this year. Twins at 307, I, I, Yanks 306. Hey, as someone who's not, you know, in the hardcore baseball thing, I, I would love to see the two best, you know, hitting teams go up against each other. That's the one I would be tuning into. So, And the thing is, you have the two pitching staffs that I don't want to say they're worse or make it sound like they're bad. But I think that the six other teams, excluding the Twins and Yankees, have superior pitching staff. So the ball's going to be flying out of the park. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with I'm, uh, yeah, really, I'm here for I'm it. I'm here yeah. for it. Um, it's, it's unfortunate that we, that one of these teams are going to get knocked out super early. Um, but, but hey, I mean, for me, offense is, is king. So definitely um, going to be a series that I'm, I'm interested in. There's a lot of just big names, big hitters, a lot of money being thrown around and and, uh, yeah, I mean, that's going to be interesting. Houston's another team that, you know, I'm kind of interested in as well. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I don't know if you heard about that dude dropping 3.5 million on the <laughs> on the Astros, some furniture dude in Houston. But um, he's pretty confident as well. So Houston's another team that I'm going to keep my eye on. Houston has got to be the favorite going into it right now. But postseason baseball is so unpredictable. I just hope the Twins can exercise those Yankees playoff demons that have plagued them for so long now. I'm hoping that this is finally the year, but I'm happy with where this season is going. Hey, I'm rooting for you. Well, I appreciate so, that. I, I want, all all I want, the Twins appreciate that. I want you to. I want you to see something. You know, I, I know coming into the season you weren't really confident in your team. I thought they'd be a little above 500, you something like that. Right. Yeah. So, so I mean, you're you're playing with house money right now. Yeah, so. why not? Next year, though, pressure is going to be on to win because you got a lot of guys up for free agency, including four of the five starting pitchers. So pressure may not be on this year. It will be next year. Yeah, and then what I can remember of the, the Yankees-Twins matchup throughout the season, a lot of home runs being mm-hmm. hit as well. So, yeah, that's definitely the type of baseball I like. I'm, I'm one of those guys, I guess. Well, I tell you what, the NHL season officially started last night. Hockey is back. Jake was razzing me for wearing my Evgeny Malkin jersey in studio today. The Penguins dropped the puck tonight. It's just, it's Jake just is not such a great, Red Wings diehard. It's just, you know, it's just not a great-looking <laughs> jersey. I, oh, I hate to come say. on. I know you have all these jerseys, and I've seen you wear some questionable jerseys, but that one, that one might take the cake right there. <laughs> I tell you what, the Penguins dropping the puck tonight when they take on the Buffalo Sabres. Red Wings are going to have to wait until tomorrow night. You know what's weird is the Ottawa Senators are the team that I am least confident in going into this year. I believe they're going to be the worst team in the league this year. Vegas, according to uh, Caesars Sportsbook, has them with the worst odds to hoist the Stanley Cup this year. And wouldn't you have it that they were the first team to score a goal in the new season last night. And they did so 25 seconds into the new season. Brady Kachuk had it. Unfortunately for them, there wasn't a lot of scoring after that as they got beat 5-3 to against Toronto It's just funny how things like that work out. And then the last two cup champions battled each other. They went to overtime, and Washington beat St. Louis 3-2. But, man, I'm just glad hockey's back. I love this time of the year. Yeah, uh, you know, this is the best time of the year when you're talking about sports. You're talking about playoff baseball, hockey, you got football going on. Um, NBA's right around the corner. Um, NCAA football is going on. I mean, there's just every sport is going on. Sport, every sport that I love. I mean, I don't know about the, the listeners out there, but you know, any any which way you turn turn on the TV, there's there's good matchups. But definitely excited about the hockey season. Um, you know, I think there's a handful of teams that have a legit shot at, at doing something this year. Um, and the one good thing about hockey is, you know, you just get into the playoffs and anything can really happen. You can mm-hmm. catch fire. We've seen it happen before. Um, so I'm just really excited. Um, the Red Wings they have a lot of young guys coming up. And and obviously Iserman's there now and things like that. So um, they're still definitely in a transition mode, but you never really know. You could, I just want to see a little bit of growth. I'm really high on the the Knights, though. I think the, yeah. the Gold Knights. They'll have a good year. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited for hockey. Hockey's one of those sports where, you know, with baseball, it's it's really hard for me to get it into. I'm one of those type of guys, sports fans, unless, you know, you're starting to talk about getting right down into the World Series or Mm -hmm. a series before that. With hockey, you know, that's one of those sports where I just like to, you know, if there's nothing on it, I'll turn it on. And, and yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of parody in the sport and things like that, a lot of young guys, and I'm excited for it. By the way, last night, this could be stat of the day as well, uh, I guess you can extend the stat from last night, tonight, and then tomorrow night, because after tomorrow, everybody will have at least one game under their belt. But the season opening rosters were announced for all 31 clubs and a record 177 American-born players made opening night rosters. How about that? 
Hey, shout out to USA. Yep, USA Hockey, good to see the game grow. 690 total players, 20 different countries represented. It's pretty cool. That's really cool. I mean, obviously, hockey, it's, it's been, you know, a world sport now for a long time, and and um, yeah, man, you gotta love it. You gotta love that the, the the best talent in the world is wanting to come and play in the NHL, and and uh, just makes for good good competition. Canada still has the edge. They had 295 Canadian-born players on opening night rosters in the NHL. Then you had the U.S. with 177, Sweden at 79, Finland 33, Russia 31, the Czech Republic 26, Switzerland sent 11, Slovakia 9, Denmark 7, Germany 7. Austria 3, Latvia 3, France 2, and then one each for Bulgaria, Estonia, Ukraine, Slovenia, Norway, Kazakhstan, and Great Britain. Wow. How about that? Great Britain. Uh, hey, shout, shout out. Brendan Perlini, right winger for the Blackhawks. They'll start their season tomorrow night, but the lone British-born player in the NHL right now. How about that? That's insane, man. Hey, shout out to him. That's, that's, that's huge, obviously, for him. Just a lot of different countries, man. I don't know half of those countries, to be honest with you. I couldn't point them out on a map. I mean, I've heard of Estonia, but if you ask me to find it on a map, I would have no clue. Not even. I'd be lost. Not not a shot. Not a shot. I tell you what, let's take our last time out. When we come back, pretender or contender? We'll break it down from a college football aspect next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. If you missed any part of today's show, get caught up on demand. Get our free mobile app from the Apple iStore or Google Play. That's where the on-demand access is. Or go to ESPNUP.com. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. One last thing on pro baseball before we move on to college football and play contender or pretender. Last week I had Ryan Stieg of the Mining Journal on here, and we were talking about some of the managerial openings, who would get fired, what have you. And Ryan said there's always this one surprise firing that no one really saw coming. And we correctly predicted a lot of the guys who did end up getting fired. Then Brad Osmus got canned earlier this week, former Detroit Tiger manager after one year out in L.A. with the Angels. But, you know, Joe Madden was fired earlier that week, and Madden started his career with the Angels. He's still a great manager, so we thought, okay, yeah, that might have been the surprise. Maybe it wasn't as surprising as it should have been, because, you know, the Angels are probably going to make a push for Madden and try to get him back to the organization. Well, then earlier today, the New York Mets fired Mickey Calloway after two seasons, former Cleveland Indians pitching coach. He was a really a master when he was with Cleveland, and he had two underwhelming years in New York. They had that good stretch this year, but it wasn't enough to save his job as they buy him out on the last year of his contract. I think that was a surprise. So the Mets job is now open. Maybe that gives Joe Girardi something else to consider other than the Cubs job. I still think he's going there. But Mickey Calloway, if you're looking for a pitching coach, there's a really good one out there. I don't know. Tigers aren't looking for a pitching coach, are they? I think they still have Rick Anderson. Yeah. Former yeah. Twins pitching coach. I don't know if that's a good <laughs> thing. Shout out Twins. Maybe they want to make a change. Well, who knows? Who knows? Teams could definitely switch it up. If, if guys become free agents, why not grab something? Why not? Um, but, yeah, I think the Cubs the Cubs job seems to be kind of like the number one. I mean, if I was going to go anywhere, yeah, Chicago. Well, like, you rather go Chicago or the Mets. <laughs> You know, a few names that had been tossed around were guys who were veterans, you know, like the Mets are going to be looking for a veteran guy, somebody like Buck Showalter or Bruce Bochy. Bruce Bochy's not coming out of retirement to manage the Mets. I'm saying, why would you want to put that stress on yourself? You know, when you hit retirement, you start realizing like, hey, this is actually kind of nice. 
Why would, uh, I, why would I go back there in that media market and try to, you know, try to turn around a, a, a ship that's been sinking for years? I tell you what, Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you as we start to wind down this Thursday afternoon. Pretender or contender college football edition. I tell you what, Jake, we had a lot of food for thought come out of this last week in a college football. It got me thinking this morning as I got to the office. If it were up to me, if the rankings were up to me, if they were solely on me to put together a system because our first college football playoff rankings come out less than a month from now, what would they look like? It'd probably be a disaster, but where would I rank everybody if I had the power to do so? You know what? I I don't know if I got a little wild with it. It would sound wild if I told this to myself about a month ago, but I want to get your thoughts on where I would put some of these teams based on what we know right now. And right now... I think that the most deserving team, not necessarily the best team, but the team that most deserves to be number one right now is Alabama, followed by Ohio State. It's only because, I mean, Clemson, we thought they would be doing what Alabama's been doing, and that's just kind of blowing teams out. Ohio State, the same thing. You know, not really not really being tested at all yet. Um, for me, I, I still would have Clemson. I just think, you know, we couldn't expect Trevor Lawrence to just continue on the pace that he was going. I still think he's a really good quarterback. They they do have um, a really good supporting class there. That I think they're talented at every position. I think when when the time comes, we're going to see that same Clemson Tigers team that we see. So I, I mean, I got Clemson. I do I do agree. Uh, Ohio State and Alabama has has looked more impressive, but for me, I, it's it's Clemson right now. So. Um, but I, I definitely see where you're coming from right there. To be honest with you, if I were ranked, then this is where I wanted some input, some advice. Do I put Clemson at number four or number five with Oklahoma? Because I would put Georgia at number three based on what I know right now, based on what they've done so far this year. Because out of any of those teams, the top five being uh, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia, and Oklahoma – the best win right now belongs to Georgia. They beat a top 10 team. They beat Notre Dame. But overall body of work makes me think Alabama and Ohio State are still ahead of them. With Clemson, though, like you said, they haven't necessarily put together an impressive resume early on about a quarter of the way through the year. Yet you still feel like they're going to. Like their best football is still in front of them. That The upside there is good enough to the point where you can still pencil them in as a college football playoff team. It just hasn't happened yet. And that's where you start to get past that top five. You get into teams like LSU, Auburn, teams that have been winning. They've been winning, and they deserve to be, for the moment, top six, seven teams, what have you. But at the same point, they've been showing their flaws. And while Clemson's done the same thing, you're confident that Clemson is going to be able to overcome those flaws, whereas you don't have that confidence in teams like Auburn and LSU. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think when it comes with Clemson, I mean that schedule is so weak. You know they had A and M, they had Syracuse, um, but if you're gonna have a schedule that week, you you better be blowing teams out. And, and you know they haven't really been looking as impressive as as, as impressive as you'd like. Um, LSU will always be you know a pretender until they beat Alabama. I mean mm-hmm. that's just what it's gonna be to me. I like what Bur- Burroughs is doing. That offense looks really good. Matt o- o- uh, their, their coach there, Ogeron. Is it o- I wanna, Ogeron? Yep. I, I want to say Oberon. Coach O. Oberon. <laughs> Shows you where my mind's at. Um, Ogeron, uh, you know, he's a good coach, but, you know, they got to get over that hump. So I, I don't know yet. Until I see that, I don't know if I'd put LSU in there. I do really like Georgia. I don't, the Georgia just can't win that big game. You no. know, they can't. They get there, but they just can't. They can't get it done. Um, so so right now, I mean, if you if you wanted to put – Alabama at one, 
Ohio State. You could even you could argue Ohio State at one. To be honest, you could. You really. I could. mean, Ohio State has been that impressive. Ryan Day coming in. Obviously, Justin Fields is a new guy. Um, they lost so much talent, obviously, to the NFL. But you know, just like every single year, they they they're able to bring guys back. And and this is looking like it could be one of the more talented, you know, best Ohio State teams we've seen in a very long time just off pure talent in the way that they they're rolling right now so you could argue those two teams i like the, like i said georgia um is another team that's just always been in the mix i like their quarterback um so yeah to answer your question i mean until i see them get over those humps you know uh, you know beating alabama and things like that i mean yeah um you know it's it's hard for me to, to visualize any of those teams winning the national championship. I think you have five legit college football playoff teams that are going to be fighting for four spots between Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, and Georgia. Those five, I believe, are for real. They are contenders, but somebody's going to get left out. LSU is going to hang around, but LSU's not a not a contender right now. They are a pretender because right now they're a team with an elite quarterback. So far, I think he's the second best quarterback in college football behind Jalen Hurts from what we've seen so far. I think they have good wide receivers, and I think they have a good secondary. They have a terrible defensive line, and that is going to get exposed. They don't play Georgia during the regular season. If they did, imagine that defensive line against DeAndre Swift. And you look at their wins. I mean, they beat Texas. That's a good win. That's an impressive win because Texas is an above-average team this year. I don't know how far I want to go with them, but it is a good win. But it was an ugly win. They won 45-38 against a Texas team with one healthy running back going into that game, their backup running back was their third-string quarterback, and they still gave up 38 points to that offense. LSU, to me, is just not for real as far as a college football playoff contender. Auburn, for me, is not for real. They've had moments. Bo Nix has had moments, but they haven't had enough of those. And he played terrible for most of the Oregon game in Week 1. I mean, if he didn't lead the team down the venue, you can make the case. He had that game-winning drive that if he didn't do that, then how drastically are we talking about their season being different than we are right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that close game kind of set the tempo. Um, you know, that kind of knocked Oregon right off the top pedal soap. We were talking, they were a really good team. And obviously, you know, it, it, it's all style points, to be to be honest with you. And that's really what's separating separates the teams. You know, you, you go with those teams that are doing what they, they have to do, and that's, you know, beating teams up badly that they're supposed to be beating up. But like you said, we saw we saw LSU. You know, they haven't looked good at times. We've saw, you know, same thing with Clemson. They haven't looked good at times. They haven't been beating guys um, as much as as we'd have liked. And and uh, you know, Auburn to me, I like Bo Nix, but but I mean, come on, yeah, you know, come on. Oklahoma's one of those dark horse teams that I think they could come in and do something. To be honest with you, I think Jalen Hurts has has a chip on his shoulder. Um, you know, and things like that. But to be honest with you, like you said, I, I, I like Wisconsin as a contender a little really? bit. I, I do just because of of the way they play. They like to grind you out. They have a really good running back uh, in in Taylor. Where mm-hmm. you know that guy just. I'm a Michigan fan, and that game made me sick. Um, but with that offensive line, the way they kind of slow the game down, they they just they old school, like to run the ball. Um, do I trust their quarterback? Not really, but I mean, just the way they play, you're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna see a lot of teams like Wisconsin if, and if maybe a team like Alabama or something had to go up against a team like that, maybe it would, it would slow them down. Who knows? I don't really know. I do think Notre Dame's a contender. Really? You know, even even with that loss, I do. Um, I, I like I like the Irish as well. So wow. okay, um, you're giving them more credit than I would. Irish. So outside of you know the main guys, obviously Oklahoma, uh, the Irish. 
Um, I don't really know, man. And then you got you know, Ohio State, LSU, Georgia, Alabama, Clemson. Those are mine. Here's why I don't believe that Wisconsin nor Notre Dame are college football playoff contenders right now. The Badgers have done nothing this season to make us think that they shouldn't be a college football playoff contender. Yet they... They, it's history, Wisconsin. I know history is just making me think I can't do it, that's this. That's what I'm saying, and that's what I'm saying with other teams. It's just like I can't picture them going in there and knocking any of the top four teams mm-hmm. that we have out. It's, you just can't see it. It's not going to happen. You know, they'll go in, they'll be super hyped up, and they'll lose. It reminds you of. The, don't want to take a shot. That Michigan State team that went up against Alabama. That's yeah. what we'd see because it's just two completely different games. I mean. Unless you're, you know, Ohio State in the Big Ten is the anomaly just yeah. because of the recruits they get and, and the way they're able to score. Other than that, I, this day and age, you're not going to win the way Michigan State wants to play. You know, it's going to be tough to win against Wisconsin. I just think Wisconsin is it's kind of just like a matchup problem. It could be just because of the they way really they play. They really could be. You know what I mean? Just because you're not going to see a team like Wisconsin who who is very dominant in the trenches and, and plays the way and, and wants to slow the game down. You know, maybe they could do something. You know, and, and they haven't given us reason to doubt them this year, but history says they probably will. Now, I'm not saying Wisconsin's not deserving. If they win the Big Ten, they go undefeated, they absolutely deserve to be in. But I think that's going to be what it takes. They have to go undefeated, and they have to win the Big Ten. I think you have to do both of them. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I could see Wisconsin going in. I could see Wisconsin going in and upsetting maybe like Oklahoma you know, or you know, going in and you know, do I think it's hard to say because I haven't seen Ohio State be slowed down at mm-hmm. all this season. So do I think Ohio State, Wisconsin? Do I think Wisconsin could they upset them? Maybe, but I don't know, man. They they just don't score enough points. They just don't. I don't know. Well, and there's the difference between deserving and being for real, being a for real contender, like having a chance at getting in, and that's where I think we can draw the line with Notre Dame too. I think Notre Dame can very realistically win out the rest of this year, and I think they can finish 11-1, and and that won't be good enough to get them into the college football playoff because, I mean, I, I don't want to take a shot at Michigan, but I think Michigan will lose to Notre Dame and Ohio State. I don't think that your best win being against a 9-3 and Michigan team is good enough to get you in over a one-loss team who's won their conference championship like Oklahoma or Georgia. So Notre Dame, you know, they played with, uh, George, who's the top three team in my book right now? Yet, I think the way that the format's set up right now, Notre Dame has to be undefeated every year if they want to get in, no matter how good that one loss could be. Right, you make a you make a good point. I mean, yeah, it, it all depends how other things turn out too. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's really tough because outside of, are we really going to see it be any different than Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State? Maybe Oklahoma. Yeah, Oklahoma, Georgia, maybe. Oklahoma, Georgia. That that might be the only thing that we might see a switch up. Other than that, man, it's, it's already set in stone. This is how college football is. It's terrible. And I am not. I just I know we're over time, but for the record, not high in Florida at all. They are the biggest pretenders in the top ten, and they play Auburn this weekend. They'll get exposed, and I'm just not expecting a lot from the Gators. This yeah, week. I haven't even mentioned the Gators. They've, no. they've been nice, though. They've been okay, but... I don't trust them. I, I don't trust them. I think they are the biggest pretenders in Florida the top Florida teams ten. are sad. Yeah, they are. Florida, Florida State <laughs> and Miami, that's just sad. I don't, like when, I don't like when Florida teams are bad. It makes college football better. UCF is the best Florida team. Yeah, that's a good team, though. <laughs> Tell you what, we're out of time. We'll get you out to first pitch here in about a minute. Jake, anything you want to plug here in the last uh, couple 
you know, seconds we have. Uh, tune in to Local 3 Monday through Friday, 6 and 11. All right, all right. Jake Durant, I'm Tanner Hoops. Let's get you out to Atlanta for first pitch of Game 1 of the NLDS. Braves and Cardinals here on ESPN-UP. Signing off from the WZAM studios, you are listening to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP, WZAM, Ishpeming Marquette.